out of Austin, Texas. You're listening to the Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast. Here's your host, Sheila Dean. Good afternoon. It is a gray overcast day here in central central Austin, Texas. So we have our guest today, Mr. Joseph Vargas, uh, with us. Um, you can unmute your mic, Joseph, and, and talk to the audience if you'd like. I'm good. I'm here. I can hear you now. Okay, great. Thank you and welcome. Welcome to the after show for our status, our static interview. Oh, thank <laughs> so, you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So Joseph Vargas is the founder of Keep Texas Red. The uh, and the, what's the website? It's uh, keeptexasred.org. Okay, keeptexasred.org, and he's the author of Democrat Modus Operandi, which exposes how Democrats manipulate emotion, negative branding, selective outrage, and language to attack conservatives. He's also the vice president of the Juan Seguin Society, an, exali- an auxiliary sorry, of the Republican Party of Texas for Hispanic Outreach. You can read his blog at keeptexasred.org. So uh, a bit later, around 2 o'clock, we expect Jed Darland, who is uh, a special friend of the show and somebody who's also a political refugee from the People's Republic of Washington State. Uh, You didn't know this, but I spent like 10 years, or maybe you did, maybe we did talk about it, but I spent about 10 years in Western Washington where I learned by crash course a lot about this advancement in the democratic political system. So uh, I see that we've got Gregor with us, who's a a favorite of the show. He's a really good guy. Um, Gregor, if you don't mind doing your invite plus and just asking a few people to come to the program. So I'm going to do my little invitations now. Boom, boom, boom. Come to the show. All right, everybody's invited. So Joseph, where we we're going to pick up where we left off, um, and and just kind of reconvene over some of the 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 capital that was flowing into um, Texas elections. So how is it that we had a bunch of Republicans emulating <clears throat> Democratic policy, like and, and I'll just use I'll use select cutouts like Mr. John Cornyn, he's beginning to sound like a Democrat. Right. Well, it goes back to, like I was saying earlier, um, to understand politics, you just have to look at history. History will tell you what is happening and what's going to happen. And also, even the left, they'll tell you how they're infiltrating the conservative movement, how they've infiltrated the Republican Party and you just kind of like read a lot of the stuff. They have a lot of books. You know, if you read the Communist Manifesto, they talk about infiltrating. If you read uh, Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky, it tells you also the techniques that they're using. But the biggest one that I have seen is the book uh, Tragedy and Hope by Dr. Carol Quigley, which said that once a person, regardless of political party affiliation, whether they were a Democrat or a Republican, once they reach a certain level of power, the globalists are going to come for them and tell them they have to vote for the globalist agenda, which okay, at this so point what is does that a democratic look like? agenda. What, what does it look like when they come for them? When they Just come for them, they'll come. Let's say an elected official is acquiring power. They'll come, and there's different ways of getting to them. 
one of them they'll try and they'll promise you uh, to be a part of a certain committee uh, a committee chair they'll offer you all these different uh, funding for your next campaign uh, they kind of like you play the game they treat you right uh, if you don't want to play the game then these same people they have a lot of people even in the media that will start attacking you uh, they'll even tell you out in the open they'll tell you if you do not work with us we will actually fund somebody to run against you in the next election and we will actually not let you be on any of the committees so they they try to neutralize you in other ways do you ways. think that happened to marjorie taylor green are you referring because of she wants a because of the speaker case because she she just was disenfranchised from all committees like her district has no committee representation in any federal committees right now well, definitely, yeah. I remember when it first happened. So she was questioning a lot of things that uh, you know, that office with the deep state, you're not allowed to question. You know, so she was questioning a lot of things that the people, you know, in her district wanted to have answers to. So yes, definitely, they told her. But it goes back. They do. They use the technique. One of the, their techniques, which is a negative branding, they try to portray her as a real bad person so that she would lose credibility in the eye of the public. So. Uh, she was trying to find some answers or maybe uh, even challenge all these things that were uh, infringing on people's rights. And you're not allowed to do that. You're not even allowed to do that here in Texas. <laughs> you know. So even the Texas lockdowns, the businesses that were closed, you're not allowed to question that. You know, so the same thing, you're not allowed to question why we have uh, illegal aliens being allowed to cross every day. Yeah, so you, it goes with you the really same way. are. You really are, as a citizen and a constituent and, and a, a regular person, allowed to question your government. You're allowed to do these things. It's, it's a completely legal process. But they're trying to presume or assume or prognosticate in the media falsely in false light that you don't and you can't. Okay, And this is kind of a brute force measure where they're trying to cloud the reality with the proposed reality. And so an example of that is what's going on at Twitter right now. Uh, the government and, and these actions and actors in the government, in, in the bureau state, um, adopted a lot of these policies that were watered down from the UN and, and China itself from, through the WHO. Uh, they took these policies and laundered them straight through to the, to the bureau agencies. And with the complicity of, of the executive branch, uh, they, they just shoved them right at uh, social media. They had enough um, socialized people in, in the ranks at tech that they said, it's okay. It, they just validated. They're like, this is legal. This is fine. And it's not. Um, I just wanted to point out at the box at the top, I've got the current Twitter files that are now live. They've been spooling out for the last hour from Barry Weiss. So there's a link to the Barry Weiss um, Twitter files drop number five. If you go there now, um, you'll be able to see that. So I wanted to let you continue, but just, just so you know that there's, there's, a, there's a complicity also known as collusion, which is not necessarily illegal, but it is an ethics violation, and then it does lead. It does lead, and has certainly led to to illegal behavior um, when it has cut off the legal rights of American citizens. So I wanted to let you continue, Joseph. Well, it's good to note also that um, a lot of the things that conservatives may be outspoken about, they're 
in order to silence them, they're labeled as conspiracists or it's a conspiracy. And it's interesting, I think it's important to note what the true definition of a conspiracy is. The definition of a conspiracy is two or three people meeting, usually in secret, to plan something to hurt somebody else or some type of illegal activity. The irony of this is that that's what the other people have been doing. That's what the left has been doing. That's what they've been getting away with a lot of these things that happened with Twitter. That's what they get away with conspiring so nobody will neutralize, so everybody will be neutralized and not do anything with the illegals coming in. So the conspiracy is really on their side. But as Karl Marx says, you always accuse the other side of doing of what you're doing. So that oh is Oh my God. Too. That's crazy. I mean, Karl Marx said that? Karl Marx in his book, if you read Karl Marx's book, there's so many things that he talked about you could see right now. One of them was even going through the education system. Uh, the other one was creating the class warfare that you're seeing right now. Uh, there's so many different things that if you read their books, you know, you read the, the Communist Manifesto, Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Uh, there's even a new book called Rules for Revolutionaries, which is a leftist book. These have a, It's the blueprint of how they're actually attacking the problem is that in the United States, we had these people out there as, you know, in the community had a right to exist. I mean, the United States has had a communist party for decades. You know, we have an active communist party in the United States, and that's, they have a right to do that. But they have infiltrated a lot of levels of government through the Democrat Party now. And what they've done, so they've put the right people in the positions that they need them for, which is, you know, certain uh, district attorneys. Even judges, you know, they even have activists now in the Supreme Court. So now your rights don't matter if a judge doesn't, you know, if, if it's their opinion that they have a right to overrule your rights, even if they're constitutional. So there's so many things that are at stake right now where we're living in a really in a time that, you know, we're going more towards the route of, of China, you know, how they are, you know, that, you know, they talk about human rights, but everybody knows how they actually treat all the, the citizens in their country. And we're seeing that here too, right now with the Twitter files that are, you know, being exposed. There's so many things that we as Americans thought that were our rights. We had a right to privacy, our right to freedom of speech. And even though we have the legal right to it, you know, there a lot of people in government are deciding that we don't have the right. They're the ones that actually are the gatekeepers to who they allow to have and who they allow not to have it. So it's a very critical time where I think the big question is going to be, are enough American voters going to wake up to what's going on? You know, are, are enough of them going to actually see what is happening? Because common sense has changed a lot. And the definition of, you know, when you, the definition of common sense being changed goes back to the definition of cultural hegemony, which Antonio Gramsci came out. He says you have to change the definition of common sense so people can adjust to the change and be grateful. It's pretty much just voting your way to tyranny and history has proven that if you look at the history you know hitler when he came into power he had the support of a lot of people there's pictures of him going into power with people crying hugging him the same thing happened with fidel castro you know when when he went into uh, power he had the support of a lot of people the same thing with you know hugo chavez a lot of these tyrants and dictators they initially started with the support of the people because the people were naive to what was going to happen until it was too late. And pretty much it seems like that's what's happening in the United States right now. 
Okay, well, we are just, we have just been suddenly joined by uh, Jed Darland, and we want to welcome back to the program. Hey, Jed, uh, if you un- open your mic, I just want to introduce you properly. We've been speaking with um, Joseph Vargas, who's been offering amazing insight and analysis to, to some of the reasons why we have these uncontrolled, uh, rather uncontrolled, reckless uh, suppression of rights, but controlled debates, controlled communications, those sorts of things. So Jed Darlin is a political refugee from the People's Republic of Washington State. He moved to Texas to escape the progressive policies that are driving Seattle into shambles. Finding a home in Texas Hill Country, Darlin is happy to call Texas his home and is happy he moved to America uh, from, from South Africa. So Darlin is active in local politics and he keeps his eye on progressive policies and agendas that wish to infiltrate the Lone Star State. Welcome to the show, Jed. Thanks, Sheila. I had you down for two. I apologize for being late. No, no, you're right. You're right before time. It's 1.58 uh, Central Standard Time, as I can see it. Um, I just wanted you to quickly meet Joseph because oh, okay. he is right on, on time. He's okay, right on good. time with the un, un, undue influence of global actors in our political economy and would be able to, to, if you would share with him some of your eclay experiences uh, trying to, to navigate some of the entrenchment uh, in, in local government. Yeah, well, ICLEI, uh, I-C-L-E-I, uh, they call it ICLEI. It used to be called the um, International Something 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 of Environmental Initiative, uh, but they changed the name. Um, and ICLEI was um, basically outlined in a chapter of Agenda 21. And I, I know you're familiar with that stuff, Joseph. Yes. Um, it, it was the local Agenda 21 arm, mainly. Of course, there are many local Agenda 21 arms, but ICLEI was a consulting service. Um, if you go back sort of in the history of uh, local Agenda 21, they made real sure that they didn't call it Uh, local Agenda 21 in America because Agenda 21 as a one-world government plan uh, conflicted with private property rights and uh, sovereignty of the United States. So I know I don't have to bring you up to date on that, but, um, you know, there are many, 52% of citizens in Washington State where I moved from and where I met Sheila uh, are in an, either an Ickley County or an Ickley member city. Um, and if you look at the map, it's situated on the I-5 corridor. That's sort of where they want their focus uh, as far as mega cities are concerned. Pay, pay attention, uh, Gregor, because you're still in the PNW from what I understand. Oh, we, we got uh, Gregor in listening. Where, yeah. Where, okay. Um, so... The I-5 corridor in Seattle, basically all of those counties are Ickley counties um, or Ickley cities. And you get we get 52% of the population in Washington that is under their control, but they don't know it. And their taxes, their real estate taxes go to pay for it. And it's essentially a consulting firm for Agenda 21. I've got a screenshot on my computer before they change their logo and change their website. Um, it's tough to keep up with these guys because they keep changing. They, um, they, they, so you're, yeah, I'm sorry. Your audio yeah. dropped out. Uh, I got a call coming in. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Um, so 
they keep changing their names. They keep changing, uh, you know, these organizations. It's pretty, you know, if you build sort of a uh, one of those uh, maps on the on the board with all the strings connected to it, it's pretty easy to find out who these people are because um, if you search one name and then they say, oh, sponsored by this organization, that organization, and it's always like Green Initiative or Environmental This or That. Um, and then they'll put their sponsors and then they also have like the, um, now look, I'm giving them all their, all the tips, right. How to, how to identify them. But, um, if you go through and nowadays, of course, uh, as Joseph knows, they, they rebranded agenda 21 to the 2030 sustainable development goals. There is no difference. Yes. The SDGs. There is no difference. And, um, you know, Sheila, the last time I was on, I talked to you about the regional flood plans that are going in Texas. And all you had to do was look no further than the engineering firms and on that are that put together the sort of 500 page booklet before they got any public input. And all of them sort of advertise their connection and their desire to implement what are the SDGs, the, the United Nations 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. So uh, ICLE was early on. ICLE was soon, it, it may have even been started before uh, Agenda 21 was, was signed in uh, Rio de Janeiro in 1992 by George Herbert Walker Bush and all of the other uh, people. I think ICLE actually harks back to like 1990. But the meetings, the UN Habitat meetings that formed Agenda 21, these these predate that. I mean, they go back. One that I always uh, refer to is the Vancouver Declaration uh, that was in 1976. It wasn't the first of their meetings, but it was called the Declaration on Human Settlements. And obviously, that's a chapter out of Agenda 21. Uh, I believe it's Chapter eight, eight, uh, 24 or something like that. But, hey, Judd, uh, can I yeah. can I just break in really quick? Yeah, absolutely. You, you're, you're keen on the history here, but I, I really want Joseph to understand what happened to you when you tried to show up to a public input meeting. Okay, yeah. Um, this was really interesting. So this group, um, and it was put together by the Texas Water Development Board. They selected all of the engineering firms for the 15 regions in Texas. It isn't just going on in Texas, so there, there's there's more to that. But um, they put together, they assembled, and they used COVID relief funds. They assembled this report. It's essentially um, a, a report of publicly available information, GIS data, FEMA flood plan data. And they assembled this nice-looking, beautiful-looking uh, report, 490 pages. And, I, and I, nobody heard about this. I found out because some, they showed up in our local <coughs> library for a public presentation. It was a checkbox that they were marking off their legislation. They needed to have uh, these public uh, presentations. So I show up. They say, how did you hear about this? Like they were they were surprised that anybody showed up. And I actually got a tip from a friend of mine uh, who saw them setting up. So I showed up and I, I looked, took one look at that booklet and I say, wow, that reminds me of uh, United Nations kind of propaganda. So um, I asked them, you know, who's involved, what's going on. I take some photos of the full uh, document and they say, oh, well, this isn't really a public meeting. This is a public presentation, but we're having a public meeting in Austin on September 15th. And I'm like, great. Where is it? I'm going to go. And they said, oh, yeah, well, um, it would be easier if you just zoomed in. 
And I said, okay, but but it's a it's a public meeting, so uh, you know, members of the public are allowed to go. They're like, yeah, but it'll be easier if you just zoom in. So I found out where the meeting was. They didn't tell me. It was it was listed on their website a couple of days before the meeting, and I went down to the LCRA uh, Redbud Center, who uh, LCRA is the Lower Colorado River Authority, and they were hosting this event. And I showed up. I am the only member of the public. There are no agendas printed out for members of the public. There is a sign-in sheet, but they did not expect anybody to show. So I showed up. I'd done my research. The three engineering firms that are doing our flood plan in our Region 10, they were also working on the majority of the other flood plan, uh, regional flood plans in Texas. Not only that, I mean, between the three of them, they were working on 14 of the other 15. And and one of the firms, the lead firm, they were not just working on floodplains in Texas. They're working on floodplains in Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Florida. So I find out all this information ahead of time. And then also all three lead engineering firms on our region and the one region that isn't uh, part of our region. It's the one that no, none of the three are part of AECOM. They are doing like region 15 and not only did that look familiar to me, AECOM, they're a huge international uh, firm. Uh, and I recognized their name. And I, I couldn't figure it out. But um, it turns out later, just a quick side note, J. Gary Lawrence, he was one of the innovative. He was a city planner in the city of Seattle. He was part of the U.S. Sustainability Council under Clinton. He is like local Agenda 21 guy. The, the document that I point to, Millennium mm. Paper issued to uh, local Agenda 21. Um, this guy, Jay Gary Lawrence, he is now the sustainability executive at AECOM. So they're doing the other region that the three that aren't doing art. Anyway, I call these guys. I mean, I was very polite. I was very respectful. I, I, I used my three minutes in the public comments and I said, you know, to me, you're all a bunch of Marxists. This isn't a flood plan. You are foistering a global plan on a at a regional level under the guise of water. And I was very direct with my comments. I noted how they're all part of the, the, the 2030 Sustainable Development Goals. They applauded on their website. I noted each reference from uh, half architecture, uh, half associates, HDR, and uh, the other one was Friesen Nichols. And they all have and reference UN Sustainable Development on their websites. So um, right after my uh, speak, my, my three-minute public comment at the beginning, Okay. The the chair says, um, you know, could you refrain from swearing? I'd use the S word because I told them if they really wanted to stop a flood, that they, they are so full of the S word that uh, they should take their sustainable development goals and shove them up their butt. So I did oh. say that, which um, <laughs> although, you know, protected by the First Amendment, um, it did put everybody on point. And, and I have video because I, I videoed the whole thing. And when I call them a group of Marxists, you know, the lead engineer from uh, the lead engineering firm, the, the guy that was there, smirks because he knows. He knows what's going on. He knows what this is about. And uh, anyway, so they had three or four other or three other opportunities for me to speak publicly on different agenda items. And um, I got interrupted during my speech on each agenda item, one was about picking a new water director for the committee, and one was uh, 
you know, my closing comments. And then one was about something else, but, um, I, in, in talking, I say, you know, you need to pick somebody who knows the constitution that knows our rights, somebody who understands agenda 21, because apparently there's some people on this group that don't, and there are other people on this group that do. Um, so you need to know how that can affect development rights and, and every, everything else. But, um, it, it, they called security because when they interrupted me during my allotted (laughs) period of public comments, I fought back. I said, you know, can I all due respect? Um, you know, this is my time to talk. This is my allotted period of time. You know, it's protected by the first amendment. They don't have to like what I say. They have to allow me to say it. And here we were, um, you know, me addressing my public officials, uh, using my first amendment rights to address my public officials and tell them my opinions on all of these things and how I'm feeling about it. And they shut me down. They shut me down repeatedly. They called security. They had an armed security guard stand over me for most of the meeting when it was all over and I'd been threatened to be removed. I'd been threatened to be, uh, you know, taken out by armed security when it was all over. Uh, cause I didn't do, you know, I hadn't done anything. Um, I just spoken and, they'd taken my words and I guess, I don't know, the, the, the security guard said maybe they were intimidated, but that's not really for up, up to them to decide, right? I just, I just did research and, and talked to them about my research. Um, so when it came time to leave, they, I was escorted out of the building by the armed security guard. And I, I didn't know he was escorting me out of the building. I just thought he was walking next to me. I was like, Hey man, you know, thanks for standing up for, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and then he's like, Oh, I was going to go to lunch. They, they told me, they called me and said, you know, there's something going on here. And, um, so I was like, Oh, well go enjoy your lunch. And he's like, actually legally, I have to walk out with you. And I'm like, Whoa, when he said that, I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, there's no law that says you need to escort public, uh, members of of the public out of public meetings with armed security. So I'm like, what, you know, I'm thinking, and I just made small chat with him and we got into the parking lot and I'm like, wait a minute, buddy. I'm like, Hey, you know, ask his name again and, and say goodbye. But he, he wants to follow me to my car. Yeah. That's what they do in Europe. You know, if they, if they like any of the UN security protocols, they will, they will make sure, uh, kind of like eyes wide shut. They're on top of you until you leave the premises oh well and and later public records disclosed he was instructed to get my driver's license i'm sorry my license plate number okay so i'd given him my real name like i wasn't i wasn't hiding you know it wasn't um something that i was i wasn't trying to pull a con job on them i was telling them who i was and and everything like that but they were super uh worried that somebody knew what their plan was that's my opinion so Joseph, uh, I'm going to break break in just now because Joseph has agreed to be with us for a short time, a little bit yeah. of time only. Um, Joseph, you've listened very patiently. What has your experience been with uh, monitor dissent from these UN uh, outposts that seem to be encamped or entrenched in civil infrastructure? Well, they're they're pretty much everywhere at different levels. Even in cities and communities, they're not part of the Akeley movement. And you can look that up to see who, which communities are a member of them, even the ones that are not. You know, I always uh, tell people to look out for certain awards, and one of them, one of them is sustainability. 
as soon as you hear that in any plan, even school boards are doing that. They're using that to close schools. So the big thing is going to happen by getting people educated so they can actually counter. There's not enough people that know what's going on. They hear we're trying to do something for the sake of sustainability, and, and to them it sounds okay. So these people have gotten away with a lot of things. So to me, the only way you can really solve these things is if it's a commission of, or a group or committee that's appointed, we have to get the right people that are appointing these people elected that know what's going on so they won't appoint a lot of the socialist people in there. Uh, if it's people that we elect, then we have to educate you know, the electorate as to what type of people they need to elect to these offices and what questions to ask during the campaign. Um, so I have seen that happen a lot, and a lot of times they try to shut you down because it's like I said, one of the techniques of the left is never to actually have a conversation, even exchange a, a debate. It's always happens. to silence you. It's always to silence you, discredit you, or call you a conspiracy theorist. You know, but they'll never challenge you on any of their uh, any ideas or issues. And that is that is very sad. It's just to make sure that you don't get a debate, Mike. Can I jump in right. real quick, Joseph? I yeah. absolutely agree with everything you say. The problem with asking these guys questions is they are instructed to deny their involvement with Agenda 21. And so the ones who truly know that they're involved with it will just lie to you, and they implement it anyway. So I had read an internal document for Agenda 21 some time ago. I think it was published by a woman in um, Oregon that got her hands on it. She was uh, Democrats Against Agenda 21 is, I think, the name of her organization. And she was a big advocate of all this stuff. And uh, there's an internal document that just says, you know, if anybody asks you about it, just lie to them. Just deny it, deny it, deny it, and implement it, implement wow. it, implement it. So um, it, it's the same at that meeting I was at. You know, I'm talking to all these guys. I'm, I'm sure 80% of the people in the room knew what I was talking about, and they all just had these dumb looks on their face, like, oh, this guy's crazy. And they said, it doesn't relate. You know, they, one of the reasons they interrupted me is they said, it doesn't relate to the meeting. Of course it related to the meeting. And by telling you that it doesn't, I mean, what I found out later, to just expand a little bit, they've now created an internal document of be on the lookout for me. It's an investigative document. Oh, my have, God. And I have just found out, Sheila, that they have contacted uh, Kirkland, you know, my, my old. Stop it. In Kirkland. They con their investigation included contacting the police department in Kirkland. So I know this because right now I've got an open records request for Kirkland uh, for any communications from LCRA. And they didn't say there are no documents responsive to your request. They said it's going to take us a while to assemble it, and we might have to contact third parties to see if there's anything that can't be disclosed. So they, they have two, right now, two open records requests that, that I put in, L LCRA, that are with the Attorney General's office trying to shut me Holy down of even seeing seen what Shit. they're talking about. So they have... <laughs> It is, it is insane. So, That's you know, insane. So I don't know. And so I went to the, our local police department here and I talked to the chief the other day and, and I said, hey, is it normal for somebody to do a, a, an investigation on a citizen that hasn't been committed, kid, committed a crime or accused of a crime? And he says, well, absolutely not. You know, we can't do that. And I said, well, that's what I'm thinking. And uh, and I told him the situation. And he said, well, 
may, you know, if you disrupted a public meeting, then they can't. And on that be on the lookout document, it says that not only did I disrupt a meeting on a particular date, which is false because I have the whole unedited video of the meeting. I was the one interrupted during my period of public comments, but they've labeled me as dis, uh, disrupting a public meeting. They also go on to put that I have a past history of disrupting public meetings, which is not anywhere that's, near that's true. That's defamatory. That's defamatory. Absolutely. And they're using it as the basis to do an illegal investigation on me and then hiding, trying to hide all the records with the attorney general's office. Now, one of those decisions from the attorney general's office is going to come down pretty soon. The associate general counsel at that organization lied to the attorney general office saying that the uh, they couldn't release body cam footage that I was requesting because the guy that was in the footage didn't give his written consent. And on this weird, you know, this obscure occupations code, it says that written consent must be given if there was an investigation of a misdemeanor crime at the time of the recording, and they didn't give their written consent. Uh, okay, Jen. Jen, i got to call it. We're, we're running into the 35, uh, 30, 35 mark here at, at the program. Uh, I want to invite Gregor up to speak, if, if he will. Um, he added some important comments down here in the, in the chat section. It says, it sounds like the wind power issues in Texas from last winter has its roots in Agenda 30, 2032. Can Texans become aware of this? And so many experienced a terrible winter last year. And then he says, socialists love the ends justifies the means. And he's um, in Hillsboro. Uh, welcome back to the program, Gregor. You are a favorite. Um, oh, shocks. Oh. So, uh, so what do you have to, to, to tell our guests? Well, yeah, I've been following Agenda 21 slash 30 for 20 years, maybe. Wow. Um, yeah, no, I got involved in I I got a, I used to work night shift and so I all I had time to do was research things because it really wasn't that busy. And uh I ended up it was actually I spent 7 years working the night shift and it it gave me an education in in lots of things. Um but agenda 21 I came aware of probably in the mid 90s, late 90s, late mm-hmm. 90s I would say 99, 9, 2000 somewhere in that. Do you and see I the started... consensus here that there's a there's a consensus here that that Gregor, Jed, Joseph, you're all aware of the mid 90s. You know, CFR, Equally, it's all happening. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah every, and, every, everybody's aware. And and it's, you know, and here in and in, in I'm a recovering Californian in the Pacific Northwest. Um, you know, and I left the state that was involved with Agenda 21, and I left to a state that wasn't because I'm married and I didn't want to divorce my wife, um, mostly. But uh, you know, it, it's, it's and I see emphasis. I see it, see it here all over the place. I see the you know their cute little words, you know, sustainability, social responsibility, social equity, all these things that they use to make it sound so nice, and yet nobody seems to understand that when you go down this path. You are eliminating one's ability to make a living, to be able to eat, to be able to heat yourself. I mean, I mentioned Texas because a lot, I, from what I understand, and Joseph and Jed, you live there, you probably know far more than I do. But I mean, I got the impression that the reason they put up all of these, you know, inferior wind powered things that were not winter proofed 
was because of the whole, you know, sustainability climate thing from, you know, Agenda 21 slash 30. Oregon's trying to do the same thing. I have no idea why everybody thinks that, you know, solar power is going to be the answer for north of the 42nd parallel, because mathematically it just doesn't work. But my question is, is how do we get people out of the emotional state that feels so good into a logical state, which actually, you know, the, that is the challenge of conservatism I'm finding is that people don't realize that if you think with your emotions, you can feel good. But if you do what is correct, yeah, it may sting a little. How about some courage, Joseph? What, what, do we, what must we do to uh, enact or kind of rebut, get in the game, stay in the game? All right. Well, to understand where that, you know, the problem that we have right now with a lot of the emotional thinking electorate, we have to look at where that came from, which also has to do with the United Nations and then pushing a lot of with the UNESCO, a lot of their emotionals, that social emotional learning that's in school. So what these you know, government schools are doing, they're teaching the newer generations to think emotionally and not critically. So as long as it feels good, it's all right to do. So what happens, they're already indoctrinated in public school to think that way. So when they come out, they hear all these uh, leftist candidates appealing to their emotional uh, part of their brain, and they go with them. So it's it's a multi-tiered, the same way as the border problem. It's multi-tiered. Um, the thing it starts at home. Get enough people to understand that we have a problem with the public schools doing this to the newer generations, and then uh, uh, as parents, you know, taking responsibility and teaching you know, uh, our children, what is going on and then teaching our neighbors, teaching other people what is going on and go back to the critical thinking of teaching. And until you actually get that, you're not going to convince a person, you know, and I learned this during debate. If we have an audience that's an emotional thinking audience, you're not facts and figures don't seem to go well with them because um, when it comes to emotions, those are much stronger. People remember emotions more than facts and figures, as it is uh, naturally with humans. And if you don't believe that, when you meet someone, many times you won't remember every single thing they said to you, but they'll all, you'll always remember how they made you feel. So the left knows this. You know, the left, they know that if they can appeal to the person's limbic system, which is a part that interprets the emotions, mm-hmm. they probably got them. They got their vote. So what has to be done is you need to kind of like re-educate people. Like when I, what I usually do in my trainings, I say, you probably believe this, right? Whatever it could be. And they say, yes. And I say, let me tell you why you believe that. So it goes back into a lot of the, uh, like the neuroplasticity of the brain. And that's the way you connect the dots, you know, of something. So you've got to go backwards. It's not that easy to do because they've been taught to connect the dots to be, reach a conclusion a different way than critical thinkers. But it can still be done. But usually it's going to start with educating the parents and then not it, it involves actually getting more people to know what is out there. You know, like Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, a lot of people say it's a conspiracy theory. But yet if you go to the United Nations website, it's right there in plain black and white. I present that. I go slow because I know that a lot of these people, it's something new to them. I show them. You know, this is what you believe. Let me tell you why you believe this, you know. Um, and I talk about the history, how everybody, people were indoctrinated. People were indoctrinated in China. People were indoctrinated in Cuba. 
always to support tyranny at the beginning and look at the results and we're seeing the same thing in America right now but I kind of go so and then I show them you know how they say that the agenda 2030 is a conspiracy theory and they're like yeah I said well let me show you here it's on their website now why would they call it a conspiracy theory what I'm doing I'm working with the neuroplasticity of the brain because they've already connected the dots that it's a conspiracy theory so I'm going and then, and then written it off. Okay, once it gets a label, once it gets a negative label, they're like, oh, well, I'll just write that off. And then they put it out of their mind. They put it in this box over here of, like, you know, trash or clandestine crap. You know, that's what they do. So what, I've, what I'm going to support you in saying is that I think that, that there are very powerful means of, of emotional editorial that are available to the conservative right. And I think that something that's been very effective in recent past, you know, regardless of what's in the the clandestine box, is to kind of kind of bait people emotionally as well, to de- desensitize them to like, did you die? Did this really hurt you? You know, kind of challenge them to to in a provocative way, in order to get them to to respond. Okay. Like, hey, you can't do that because and, – and then the people with these quibbles will chase. They will give chase, and then the conservative has the opportunity at that point to, to make their case, their rebuttal. Like, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then, and then there's, there's an opportunity there. I identify libertarian. Gregor also identifies as libertarian in most cases, but we have to vanguard the people who do – have critical thinking policies that are pro-freedom, pro-liberty, and pro-constitution in order to stay in the game. So, Joseph, your your advisories are so valuable. I'm so glad that you spent so much time with us today. Um, how do we stay in touch? Um, you can follow um, a lot of my writings in uh, um, keeptexasred.org. Uh, on Facebook, you can go to keeptexasred, and it's keeptexasred.org. It's facebook.com forward slash keeptexasred1. Uh, a lot of my writings and reviews, that get published in a lot of, uh, of the uh, newspapers around the area. Um, so that's kind of like the best way you can follow. And all my, uh, my articles that I write, they're always uh, directed very different. I don't just uh, – even I don't just use facts. I kind of like explain the background to everything because I think that's the only way uh, – you know, when I work with candidates, I always tell them don't say – your opponent is bad because the brain if you don't understand how the brain works you then you're not going to be able to get any of the other people on your side so all my if, if you read a lot of my stuff it always has that you know it's kind of like really bicep bicepping everything you know uh, any argument yeah from from the mind from the mind yeah and, and, and to get those hearts and minds because you have to get into the thinking in, in order to really understand where people are going um guys it's been a treasure i hope i hope you stay in touch jed um i'd like for you to to stay in touch with joseph and and um and and really get together and do something here in texas yeah absolutely how how do you feel about that joseph yes i'm definitely it's always great to to talk to people that are also interested in 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 educating other people on this what's going on well, that's okay. actually something well, that's I'm working I'm... on, Joseph, so yeah, I'll keep ahead. track of your website and see how much I can do here in the PNW. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Stay in touch with Jed, too, because he has he has overlap there. I mean, it's been a great program. I'm really glad for everybody who attended, but uh, we're going to go now. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Before you go, hit the subscribe button. Remember that callers are welcome. Subscribers can access Unsanctioned Citizen Podcast Archives at Substack, Automatic, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Call-In. Please stay in touch. We want to hear from you. Visit SheilaMDean.com.